0: Schiff show. Hi everybody, this is Peter Schiff. It is Wednesday, April 29th, 2015. Earlier this morning, we got the government's first look at the GDP numbers for the first quarter of 2015. Now, if you'll recall, when the quarter first got underway, there was a lot of optimism Surrounding Q1, after all, the fourth quarter was a lot weaker than had been expected at 2.2. And everybody was looking for a rebound in Q1. And of course, the Fed was going to be raising rates because the economy was so strong. So they were looking for, you know, a number north of 3%. But as the quarter uh, progressed and we were inundated with one bad economic report after another, the analysts were forced to ratchet down their estimates for the first quarter GDP. Of course, many of the analysts who were taking down the numbers for Q1 were taking them up a bit for Q2 because they assumed that, well, if Q1 is soft, it's all because of the cold weather. And therefore, whatever economic activity doesn't take place in the first quarter because it's too cold, well, it'll certainly take place in the second quarter when it warms up. And so they were just transferring those expectations from Q1 to Q2. Now, the Federal Reserve was always more optimistic than the markets, and it was not taking its estimates down as much as the private economists, who by this morning were looking for just 1% GDP growth. The Fed was still maybe around 2 or something like that, but the consensus among the private economists was 1% growth. What we ended up getting was just 02 Two tenths of 1%, one fifth of what the economists were looking for. So Q1, much weaker than anticipated, but it actually gets worse because point two doesn't tell the whole story. If you want the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, Paul Harvey, uh, you got to listen to the shift report. You're not going to get the real story on conventional financial media. You got to listen to my video blog or my more frequent podcast, if you want to actually know what's going on. But if you look beneath the surface of this uh, rather meager GDP number, uh, it gets worse. Here's number one, the deflator. You see, the government always deflates nominal GDP by the inflation rate, because they want to take inflation out of the numbers to see what's really going on. That's real GDP. So normally, nominal GDP has to be Subtract it, or you subtract your deflator from your nominal GDP to arrive at your real GDP. Not this time, because the government assumed inflation was a negative 0.1. Negative, meaning that prices dropped. And so instead of taking the nominal number and deflating it, they took the nominal number and inflated it, right? They rose it by 0.1 in order to make up for the fact that they they claim that prices went down. Now, the last time there was a quarter where the deflator was negative was the second quarter of 2009. We were still in the Great Recession at that time, and we had our first negative quarter. If you want to go and get another one earlier than 2009, you got to go all the way back to 1949. I wasn't even alive in 1949, yet that's how far back you got to go before the Great Recession of 08-09 to find a negative quarter. Yet somehow the government is telling us that the first quarter of 2015 was like 1949 or the second quarter of 2009. Now, I don't believe this number. I think the true rate of inflation is higher than minus 0.1. If it's higher than plus 0.1, then GDP was zero or negative, right? If it's any higher. If it was 0.1, then GDP would have been negative. 0.1 is what they claimed for Q4 of last year when we had 2.2. They said that inflation was just 0.1. Well, I didn't believe that 0.1, and I'm certainly not going to believe this negative 0.1. But another uh, little detail that they don't want to look at is the inventory build, which continued to happen in the first quarter. Unbelievable that you have this optimism on the part of business about a recovery that doesn't exist. Because the inventory build was one of the main reasons that you had the recovery in GDP in the second and third quarters of last year. Well, businesses, you know, are continuing uh, to believe this myth. You know, hope springs eternal. uh, And you've got a lot of optimism. Unfounded. Businesses are loading up on inventory that their customers are too broke to buy. That's why the inventory-to-sales ratios right now are the highest they've been since the Great Recession of 2008-2009. And so what does that mean going forward? It means that businesses are already loaded up with inventory. They have excess inventory. They can't sell it. They're not going to buy any more. But assuming they had figured this out in Q1 right, and didn't build the bloated inventories any further, if inventories had stayed the same, then GDP in Q1 would have been minus 2.6. And that's even with the negative rate of inflation. So it's all this false optimism that has that powered the GDP all the way up to a, a plus 0.1. Now, of course, everybody is still dismissing this. They're saying it's, it's about the weather, right? I mean, it's always cold. In the wintertime, there's always snow. I mean, if the reason that Q1 GDP was so weak was because of the cold weather, why didn't they build that into their original estimates? After all, it's not a surprise that it was cold in January and February and that it snowed. So, if that's the case, if we know it's always cold and it always snows, then why are they surprised when it does? And why do they always overestimate what the GDP growth is? But again, They are completely uh, dismissing this, and everybody is optimistic about the rest of the world, about the rest of the year, especially the Federal Reserve. And we heard from the Federal Reserve officially later in the day. They just concluded their two-day policy meeting, and they released their official statement on interest rate policy. Now, of course, they didn't move interest rates. They left them the same. Nobody thought they were going to hike rates, so rates are still at zero, One thing they did do is they removed uh, from their language the fact that interest rates will not rise at their next meeting. You know, prior to this meeting, they had said we are unlikely to raise rates in April, which, of course, they weren't unlikely to raise rates. There was no chance in hell they were going to raise rates. But now they didn't remove from their statement that they're unlikely to raise rates the next time they meet, again, even though there's no chance that they're actually going to do it. But they continue to progress towards a goal that they have no uh, intention of ever reaching, is to make it look like they're moving forward on this journey. So they took out that statement. But what they did say is that assuming the economy continues to improve, at some point in time they will raise rates if the labor market also continues to improve, which it won't. But the Fed went out of its way to dismiss all of the bad news that we've seen in the first quarter. And it did acknowledge that the economic data was softer than they had expected, but they dismissed it all as being transitory, meaning they blamed the weather. Now, of course, there's other excuses. They could blame the strong dollar. They could blame uh, the port strike. But, you know, something's always going on in a the quarter. There's always an excuse if you want to blame something. And in fact, we've had other quarters in the past where bad things happened, but it didn't derail the entire economy. But somehow you get something like some cold weather and that's enough to take a 3% quarter and turn it into, into zero. But because of this optimism, you know, the markets actually, you know, believe or pay attention to what the Fed is saying, because the dollar was way down um, this morning, it, You know, especially after we got the GDP numbers. In fact, the dollar just had its biggest two-day decline in six years. Right? So the dollar was weak. In fact, before the Fed statement came out, we almost got to 112 on the euro. You know, we settled around 111 and change, but up to 112. And you had some huge moves in certain currencies, Swiss franc way up, even the Swedish kroner was up more than 2% on the day, right? The dollar was getting clobbered. And then the Fed came out and just put a smiley face on the whole thing. And all of a sudden, the dollar rallied. Now, it didn't recover all of its losses, maybe about a quarter of the losses on the day. But if the Fed had come out with a more realistic statement, the dollar would have extended its decline, But instead, people looked at this as if, oh, everything is okay because the Fed isn't worried. Well, again, the Fed is never going to confess that they're worried. That's not their job. They're they're, they're propaganda. They're cheerleaders for the economy. So they have to pretend that everything is going to get better in the second quarter so they can pretend they're going to raise rates. And when things don't get better, they're going to pretend it's some kind of surprise. But I don't know what the evidence that people are looking at to conclude that anything is going to improve in the second quarter. You know, one of the things I keep hearing people talk about is the, the gas price, the fact that consumers are going, to, are going to have a windfall from cheaper gas prices, and people still expect this, right? I was listening, Steve Leisman on CNBC this morning was saying, well, yeah, there's going to be a lag, maybe. That's why we didn't see the effect in the first quarter, but we're going to see it in the second quarter because gas is so cheap. Well, maybe Steve Leisman hadn't paid attention to the ticker, but oil prices hit a new high for the year today. We actually got over $59 a barrel. In fact, oil prices have risen every week uh, in the past month. They're going to go up again. So oil prices, while they're still lower than they were a year ago, they're going to be a lot higher than they were a few months ago. Consumers are going to be paying higher prices for gasoline in the second quarter than they did in the first quarter. And so if, they, if consumer spending didn't get a boost from cheap gas prices in the first quarter, why should it get a bigger boost in the second quarter when the prices will be even higher? Now, I do believe that the consumer benefited from lower gas prices in the first quarter. But he had so many other prices that went up that the net effect was that he was suffering. I mean, the cheap gas price was like a crutch and he limped along on it. Uh, But now that crutch is going to be even shorter. And so the consumer is going to be in even worse shape in the second and third quarter than he was in the first. Because if the dollar has, in fact, turned, and I believe it has, then gas prices are going to keep going up. And the markets now are going to be very focused on the economic data that comes out in April. After all, if the Fed is right, if all the bad news in the first quarter was weather-related, Then all of a sudden, everything is going to be great. All the numbers are going to be strong, except that we've already got a few April numbers and they're lousy. So I don't know what the excuse is going to be. I mean, it's a beautiful day outside here in Connecticut today. I wonder if they're going to be able to get away with blaming the bad news on the good weather. You know, maybe they're going to say, you know, the problem is it was so nice outside that nobody wanted to go to a mall and shop. You know, it was just people were out at the beach or out in the park, throwing the Frisbee, passing a football or a baseball. And it was just so nice. Nobody wanted to shop, right? I wonder what the, the sweet spot is for shopping. What is the ideal shopping weather? You know, not too cold, not too hot. I mean, what is it, like Goldilocks or something? What does that have to be, 57 degrees? I mean, what is it that the U.S. economy needs in order to have GDP growth, right? Because they're always going to have to blame it on something. But I also think what's crazy about the whole thing is that our economy depends on whether consumers spend money. Because that's not a real economy. That is a bubble. Economic activity is not spending money, right? What we need to grow an economy is production. We need to build things. We need to make factories. We need to produce output. We need to make consumer goods. That's what grows an economy. Not just spending money especially since so much of the money we're spending is borrowed and so much of the stuff we're buying is produced in other countries. So the fact that we're counting on Americans spending and pretending that's economic growth, no, that's just fuel for the bubble. And the problem is Americans are broke because they spent too much borrowed money in the past. That's the problem. They're loaded up with debt. They got credit card debt. They got mortgage debt. They got car loans. They got student loans. And what they don't have are good jobs. They have all this debt and they don't have the means to pay it because now they have part-time jobs instead of full-time jobs. They have service sector jobs instead of real productive jobs. So they have inadequate incomes. They're loaded up with debt. Why does anybody expect that they're going to come charging into the malls uh, in the second quarter? So all they can come up with is excuses as to why they're not shopping. But ultimately, reality is going to set in in this second quarter. We're not going to get saved uh, by Obamacare and inventories. Like we did in 2014. 2015 is another story. And I think the markets are already sensing this. That's why you've seen this very, very sharp decline in the dollar. Gold prices, they didn't react today. In fact, when Janet Yellen came out with her smiley face on the economy, gold sold off. It, it, was, it was flat on the day, and it was sold off five or 10 bucks. I think it closed down six or seven dollars. Uh, but gold was up $35 the last two trading sessions. So we're back above 1200 And I think it's poised for a breakout, just like the dollar is poised for a breakdown. And of course, oil prices will continue to rise if the dollar continues to sink because people are starting to figure this out. And why anybody pays any attention to what the Federal Reserve says. The Federal Reserve has never gotten it right. So I don't know why this time would be any different. And again, if you dissect What the Federal Reserve said in its statement, they didn't say they're going to raise rates. They didn't say anything of the sort. All they said is that they feel, they're convinced, they're optimistic that economic growth is going to recover in the second and third quarter, that we can ignore the weakness in the first quarter. And they also believe that inflation will rise in the medium term, whatever that is. I mean, they might get that rate. The inflation rate will rise, but that's not going to be a positive sign, nor do they care because it doesn't matter how high the inflation rate goes, they're not going to raise rates. But they also threw in, not only did they say that they need the economy to recover or the economy to accelerate, but they need to see additional improvements in the labor market. Well, the labor market is already stalling out. Unemployment claims are already rising. And if so many businesses were overly optimistic in their assessment of the U.S. economy, and they built up their inventories beyond the capacity of their customers, what does that tell you about their demand for workers in the future? Take an example of Wynn Resorts. They came out today with their earnings. The stock is crushed down about 20% in one day because they missed their earnings. But yeah, part of it was a weakness in Macaw, but also weakness in Las Vegas. And I read a quote from the earnings release, and they basically blamed the problem on the fact that they overestimated the U.S. recovery. Well, that's what I was saying all along. Businessmen were making foolish decisions because they believed the Fed. And one of those foolish decisions was hiring people that they're not going to need. And of course, a lot of those jobs were part-time. That's why they were so numerous, because when you're hiring part-time people, you have to hire more people to do the work of a full-time person when you don't have the full-time person anymore. So I think that as the recovery disappoints, as Q1 doesn't prove to be an aberration, but basically sets the stage for weaker quarters to come, then I think the labor market is going to continue to deteriorate. The unemployment rate, which is right now 5.5%, instead of moving down towards 5 which is what the Fed claims to expect, I think it moves back up towards 6 And if the Federal Reserve has said, we're not going to raise interest rates unless the labor market gets better and it gets worse... That means they can't raise interest rates. The only question is, when are they going to launch QE4? But the amazing thing is nobody other than me is having this discussion. Everybody is like, well, are they going to raise in June? Are they going to raise in September? Nobody is contemplating the fact that they're not going to raise at all, let alone launch QE4. But there's nothing else that the Federal Reserve can do. Because what everybody doesn't understand or they don't want to admit is that we are in worse shape now than we've ever been. The Fed's monetary policy didn't cure the economy, it made it sicker. And we're just addicted to the drugs that made us sicker. Yes, they make us feel better because we can go deeper into debt, we can speculate, we can jack up the stock market, and people on Wall Street can pretend that we're living in a real recovery. But the people on Main Street know it's not a real recovery. They're living in the recession that everybody else wants to deny exists. But because we've had interest rates at zero for so long. You know, I did an interview on CNBC Asia, which you can watch on this YouTube channel. And, you know, the, the, the people interviewing me asked, well, you know, why can't we raise interest rates? I mean, why can't we have 4% interest rates? We've had 4% interest rates in the past and everything was OK. You know, the markets went up. The economy did OK. So why can't we have 4% interest rates now? That was a different world. We had a much lower amount of debt. I mean, you can afford 4% interest rates if you don't have a lot of debt. But if you have a tremendous amount of debt, then you can't afford 4%. The truth is we have so much debt that we need zero. 4% would bankrupt us. But there's another point that everybody misses. We've had 0% interest rates for six years. In the past, when we had 4% interest rates, it wasn't coming off six years of zero. I mean, we have built up an incredible habit, a drug habit we are hooked on 0% interest rates. We can't go cold turkey or even pare it back. You know, I just think the absence of QE is enough, but you can't go from 0% to 4%, even 2%. It's like if you're a drug addict and your supplier tries to reduce your doses, even though he's still giving you drugs, he's not giving you as much as your body craves because you've built up a, a need for it. In fact, I think you build up a tolerance when you're a drug addict You generally need more and more. You need to up the dosage because eventually the amount you're taking doesn't work anymore. you got to give your body even more. I think the same thing applies with the QE and the 0% interest rates. The Fed has to keep coming back with more and more stimulus because we need more. We build up a tolerance to, to the supply, and now we need an even bigger supply. So that is what's going to happen. The Fed cannot take away this punch pole without ending the party. If they raise interest rates, we'll have a worse financial crisis than the one we had in 2008. So they can't raise interest rates. They should. That financial crisis has to happen. It's inevitable and it's going to be horrible. But you know what? What's going to be worse is the currency crisis that we're going to get because the Federal Reserve refuses refuses to allow that crisis to take place because they're going to keep on kicking the can down the road. We're going to get QE4. And the real crisis is going to be a dollar crisis. Now, does that dollar crisis happen after QE4 or QE5? I don't know. But it's going to happen eventually because it's inevitable. And I think the Fed is going to lose whatever credibility it has left uh, when it turns out that this economy heads south and they have to go and uh, do QE4 because they've been so confident and so sure. In their forecasts. And of course, once the Fed has to do QE4 and that four and a half trillion dollar balance sheet goes to five and a half trillion, six trillion, nobody is going to believe the Fed when they talk about shrinking it back down. Because that's what Janet Yellen had promised to do by the end of the decade, which of course is going to be impossible, especially if she builds it up bigger. Because if she couldn't shrink it from five at four and a half, how is she going to shrink it when it grows even larger? <music> Hi, this is Peter Schiff, and long before foreign governments and hedge funds were buying gold by the ton, I urged my clients to put 5 to 10 percent of their portfolios into physical precious metals. Despite gold's massive rise over the last decade, I still think that a 5 to 10 percent allocation to gold and silver is a smart investment decision. But buyers have to beware. Big TV gold dealers push all sorts of coins that are poor investments. Bait and switch deals, price protection guarantees, leveraged gold accounts. These are just a few of the sleazy tactics used to swindle inexperienced gold buyers. My gold company is different. We never offer a coin or bar unless I consider it to be a good investment. I want my customers to be educated. That's why I'm offering you a free research report exposing the biggest scams and ripoffs in the industry. Download my report classic gold scams and how to avoid getting ripped off for free at goldscams.com. This report tells you everything you need to know about how to avoid losing thousands of dollars with scam gold dealers. It even tells you how to tell if a salesman is lying to you on the phone. This is a must read for anyone considering a gold or silver investment. Download this free report today at goldscams.com. That's goldscams.com.